Let's open our Bibles. I want to draw our attention today to a topic that I'm going to interrupt our series with. Next week, we're going into the, the man that was healed beside the pool and how Jesus ministered to him and, and healed him, even though he didn't ask him to. Um, but I, I feel like there's a great need of, for interruption right here because there's some doctrine that I think is really important. So if you know anything, if you come on Wednesday nights, you're learning about God's Word, right? We are getting into the Bible and we are expounding doctrine. We're getting in there. We're learning about stuff and how to be a witness. I have the Identity Project that we've started. We've interviewed a couple people already. Um, but there are people that are far from God or on the, on the fence about Jesus. And I'm, I'm sitting down with them for an hour and asking them why. Why they believe what they believe. I'm interested. I can't know. I can't fathom what it's like to live without Jesus. So I'm interested to know what it's like for them to live without Jesus. What drives them? What makes them go? And through this already, one person has come to know the Lord. And there are, we have uh, several others, up to ten more, that we're going to interview for this work. It's going to be put into a book form. And so the Abundant Life will have that, and you'll be able to look at that and read it. Because, you know, really, the people I've interviewed so far, and I anticipate the same in the future, they're... They're, they're relying on other things in this world to give them hope that are so temporary and, and carnal and not, you know, not, not eternal. And we have the eternal living God in us. So. But I want to address a topic today. Does Jesus heal? If I asked you that question this morning, you would say? Okay. Is there any no's? Okay. I'll make sure. This is a participatory thing here today. So Matthew... Turn to Matthew, and we're going to be in Isaiah uh, 33 and 53. We're going to be all over the place, so just uh, be ready. So let's read from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. I want to answer this question because anytime we come across reading about or talking about physical healing, I can feel the questions. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I've been a student of the Bible I've been a student of doctrine. Um, I've listened to tons of teaching and preaching on television, internet. I've read a lot of books. But there's only one book that really matters, that brings it all to bear. And, but there's some important things for us to realize. Because the Bible answers these questions. If you've ever wondered why you're still sick and you, pray, you prayed and didn't know why, we're going to answer that today. The Bible has an answer. Jesus has an answer. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Let's start there. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing, say this word with me, every disease and every affliction among the people so that his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him, say this word with me, all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he say this with me, healed them. He healed them. Now, healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease, bringing all kinds of sick people, these are powerful statements, and the scripture says he healed them. When Jesus, what, what he does here when he heals people is he completely and totally touches and heals them. He's still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So when we ask the question, 
Does Jesus heal? We know that the scripture is true and we believe that Jesus heals. That is our answer. We know. But we know that we still get sick. So there are questions about healing and we have diseases that need to be answered and the Bible gives us these answers. So why do I still get sick? Let's look at some more as we build the foundation. If God heals, why do I get sick? Psalm 103.1 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, like that, for who forgives all your iniquity or your sin and heals all of your diseases. Now, don't forget all of his benefits. He names five benefits in verse 3. He forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases. The Bible says that he forgives all and heals all. So wouldn't it be odd if a God that forgave all sins could not heal all diseases? It's very interesting because obviously he can. And honestly, for many Christians or believers in Jesus or followers of Christ, we often might say, well, I could be honest about myself perhaps. And so my thing, it's easier to believe that Jesus can forgive all my sins than it is that he can heal all my diseases. Because in a very practical way, when we ask God to forgive us our sins, as Hebrews says, his Holy Spirit comes, cleanses our consciousness from our guilt, and we feel freer. Because we know, by relationship with God, that his Holy Spirit speaks to us. But to believe that he heals all of our diseases brings up a lot of questions. And there's, there's some really powerful scriptures that I want to get to that combine the idea, a very powerful one, that sins... And forgiveness of sins and iniquity is completely paid for as well as healing of sickness. Completely paid for. Isaiah 50, or 33, let's turn there first. Isaiah 33 says this, And no inhabitant will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven of their iniquity. And perfect illustration of a text of scripture along with many others. I'm just using a couple today. They combine the theology of forgiveness of sin through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross to the healing of our bodies by the same power. Now turn to Isaiah 53, verse 5. We know it well, right? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities or sins. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace was on him and by his stripes. Notice this word here, this one little word, we are healed. Okay, so that's really important to notice. So now, if we look at that tense of are, we turn to the New Testament, and, and notice in this Isaiah 53, 5 as well, he forgives transgressions, iniquities, sins, and we are healed. Now, in Matthew's gospel, in 8.16, look at what happens here. Now, I know we're going through a Bible study. If you're not taking notes, uh, to learn about this today, um, you're, you're short-sighted. So anyway, I didn't say that out loud. I was thinking it. So make sure that you do because someone spent hours and hours laboring over the word today so that we would receive it with gladness, be encouraged in the Lord, and our faith would be fueled. Good preaching, Pastor. I'm taking notes. I'm paying attention. It's going to be part of my weekly devotions this week, and I'm going to trust God with everything that's being said. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Good preaching, Pastor. Amen. Glory to God. Woo. Get excited. Even though I said all that. Anyway, I knew you were thinking it, though. Matthew 8, 16. 
He says, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. It's another whole topic. And he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick. Now look at verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken by, what did we just read? The prophet Isaiah, quoting Isaiah, that he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross connects the idea with forgiveness of sins as well as the healing of our sicknesses. Now look at uh, the, the epistle, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, brings such clarity and helps us to realize something in conjunction with Isaiah 53. In verse 24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live in, what, righteousness? Correct? By his wounds you, uh-oh, have been. Now that's different than Isaiah. The ESV uses the words have been. Most scriptures say that you were healed. So in the New Testament, the words are, by his wounds and all this stuff that Jesus' chastisement was upon him, you were healed, and Isaiah says that you are healed. Everything centers around the cross. Everything that we're talking about today has to do with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The cross is the centerpiece of it all. The cross is everything. We always look to the cross. Peter, in his thing, he, Peter, here, and Isaiah, well, let's put them guys up here. Isaiah, trying to write Nader Kayla, I'm working on it. She was teasing me about my handwriting. Peter, Peter is looking back. Isaiah is looking forward, right? Isaiah is written 700 years before Jesus, and Peter is talking experientially because he knew him. So Isaiah says, by his stripes you were healed. And, or you are healed, correct. It's stating the fact. And then Peter is looking back saying, you were healed. So we, when we look at this, we see that the connection is both true, that sins and sicknesses are both paid for in the cross. The cross is everything. He bore our sins. That is true. But does he bear our sickness? Well, Matthew 8, we just read, and 1 Peter are both quoting Isaiah 53. In fact, if we go down another verse of Isaiah 53, verse 4, back up one, the Bible says, surely he took our, I think, do I have 53? 53, verse 4, there it is. Surely he has borne our griefs. Now, griefs is an important word. Hang on to that. And carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. So the Old Testament uses this word griefs 24 times. 20 of the times it's translated sickness. So even if we were to associate, as most fundamentalists do, that they believe that Isaiah 53, because the word um, right there means to stitch by mending, the word healed, by his stripes we are healed. They believe that in the context of it, in Jesus' sacrifice, it's only talking about the satisfaction of your sins through the blood of Jesus. In other words, it's only talking about forgiveness of sins. 
That's what a lot of fundamentalist churches believe. Uh, they don't associate physical healing with the Isaiah 53 or the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Now, I know this is a lot of word, and uh, hang on there with me. But the fact of it is, we don't even need that part of the verse. In verse 4, the word griefs is also here that associates sickness with the power of Jesus to heal. So the New Testament confirms it. He says, he bore our sins. 1 Peter 2.24 in Matthew 8.17 heals all diseases. So there's something that, that the cross does. The cross satisfies our sin requirement and our sickness requirement. Need. These are our needs. This is what we need. So if that's true, then why do we still get sick? Let me ask answer that by asking you some questions and I want everybody here to participate in the answers okay this is like a classroom and we are being called upon by the teacher to answer these questions I want you to answer with all honesty okay did Jesus bear your sins on the cross yes very good you got that one right that's really good so that was the easy part so good job but let me ask you another one since Jesus bore your sins on the cross, do you still sin? It's a little weaker that time. Since Jesus bore your sins on the cross, do you still sin? Of course. Every Christian sins. I mean, except for me. I, 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 you guys admitted it, but uh, that, that was a sin right there. Right? I, I lied. So anyway, that's really not that funny. Uh, I won't say it again. So Christians sin. We are imperfect. We, we realize that. Jesus bore our sins still. And we know that. He did that. He bore our sicknesses, but we still get sick. So why do we still get sick? And let's answer this question with the big underlying principle for today. Because before we can go into next week and further on into this healing idea and all that God has for us, we need to answer it with this. And here's the answer. We live in a sin-filled, sin-sick, and fallen world. We live in a sin-sick, somehow I left a blank out on that first one. You have to write it above or something. Sin-filled and fallen world. That's just the truth. We live in a world, but there's a new world coming. There's a new world coming with no sin or sickness. One day we will be made perfect. We'll live forever, the Bible says, with no more what? Sickness, pain, heartache, every tear will be wiped from our eyes. Perfection. Glory. Lord, take us now. 2020 has been enough, right? But that's not the reason. We want to be with Jesus, of course. But not while we're here. We are still in this world with the curse of sin. So Jesus bore the penalty. Jesus bear, bore the penalty. Is that better? I think so. I'm being graded. The power and the presence. Jesus bore the penalty. The power and the presence in order to satisfy our sin. He, he bore the penalty for our sickness as well. The power 
to overcome our sickness and the presence forevermore. So Jesus was, he is, and he is to come. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? He never changes. He takes care of our sin and the penalty for our sin. We have been saved, as the Bible says, we have been saved. We are, we have been here. We are, and we will be forever saved. Are saved. Got to add saved here. This is getting sloppier the further I go down. See, Kayla? Saved. We understand the promise of God, satisfying it in the promise of God through Jesus. We understand that this one is where the current battle is. When we're born again, the Bible says we are all born with a dead spirit, and our spirit comes alive when we ask Christ to come into our life. This is the difference between when I talk to people, and you have as well, that are far from God, because, because their spirit's not alive, only spiritual things can be discerned. So many times it's like talking to a deaf post. You'd have more luck converting a donkey, well, maybe not Balaam's donkey, but you would have more luck converting a donkey than you would some people that you know, right? Or asking them about their spiritual life because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. This, our spirit is born alive to God. The struggle comes in the fact that we are born and made in three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. How many know that sometimes it's easy to believe that God has saved us by his spirit, in our spirit? It's easy to believe that, that our soul is being renewed every day. Our soul is being being saved. The Bible uses that word. I'll explain the soul in a moment. And the Bible also talks, though, that our bodies will be, are, and forever will be made new, but in perfection. The soul is the battleground. The Bible says the soul that sins will die. How many sin? Okay. The soul is being, and you, if you've gone through the class that we did on spiritual warfare, we understand the battleground is the soul. It's like a checkerboard, and there are pieces of ground. Uh, if you've ever played chess or checker, there's pieces of ground, ground all over, and there's parts of it that we surrender. There's, there's, a, there's a castle of pride, of lust, of envy, of jealousy, and there's also love and compassion and joy and peace and the things, and the battleground is right there. So the soul is in this constant flux because you are imperfect and I am be imperfect. The Bible says in this life we are being saved. The, the things that are working out of us, God is working to save us. But to understanding that we have been saved and the power of penalty that sin that Jesus took, his work, the chastisement of our peace was on him, that we are healed, that one day in the future we will forever be. The battleground of the soul is a place where we constantly fight and struggle. And we're always in battles with our thought life or we're in struggles with certain addictions or places that we go rather than letting our soul be saved. And the reason that this is is because our spirit has been saved maybe a lot longer and our soul has got all this more time to have stuff planted there 
that has to be uprooted. Now, I don't want to get too far into that, but the, the good news about that is, is that God saves us. We are being saved right now. We are in this time right now of the dispensation of God's grace. This is where we are right now. This is all right now that is available to us. This is all that will be. This is the promise of what we have. God has made it in such a way that you and I have the opportunity to allow him to work in our lives. In fact, it is so powerful that he says in Psalm 107.20, he sent out his word and healed them, look at this scripture, and delivered them from their destruction. The word of God is what brings healing to your soul. The process of being saved or uprooting the things in life that we so struggle with, the part that Jesus died for to heal us, is all right here. All of it. His word, he says, is the thing. The more I allow, and you and I allow God's word to work in us, and we put the more, the more power we have to overcome the wiles and thoughts and processes of this world. Many Christians don't uh, really believe that. I mean, if uh, we never maybe look at the scriptures, or except maybe on Sundays or open our Bibles, and Sundays really have become a holiday. Sundays are a holiday now for Christians. They're an empty exercise for many in, in our culture, in our world, in, even in abundant life. It's, uh, Sundays are a day to watch football or to do those extra chores or sleep in rather than do what God's prescribed thing is to be in God's house, to hear from his word. We don't like that. Don't hate the messenger. It's just God's word. And if you're sitting there saying, I can't wait till it's over because there's a game on today, then there's a problem, Right? I mean, honestly, if God's word says something and I disagree with it, I'm wrong. Um, hello, right? And this is true. So my idea here, or the idea, excuse me, not mine, God's idea in Psalms here says, hey, my word, if you will take it in, and you will learn, this is why we do Wednesdays. This is why we teach this way. This is, that the word of God will take and give us power to overcome the things in this world. Sundays are not holidays. Sundays are not a day just to do whatever we want. More than that, friends, we shouldn't come to church or, or skip church or just think that we can do or just not be in his word and expect just to get enough on Sunday to get us through. I mean, I hope you're reading the articles we post every day. I hope you're listening to the leavens that we broadcast every day. I hope you're plugged in because the spiritual life of a church, of a group of people, is meant to be together. God made up the church. It's his idea. I mean, he put me here. I, I mean, I could go build houses and make money. I, don't, I mean, you don't have to be here. God has called you here, right? And why is that? Because the place of God's blessing in his anointing and his purpose and design is with his people i don't care how many tv preachers or internet preachers are out there just throw them all away not all of them whoa the chill in the crowd i'm getting there it helps me to understand god's healing for my body comes from god 
Now, there's two extremes. There's two of them in our culture. And before I get into them, I want to tell you something then, and I really want us to take it to heart. And I hope I come across with humility when I say this. I want you to hear it. And I hope you say amen with all of your might. God will never put sickness on you to discipline you. God will never do that. Now we learn things when we go through sickness, right? We always do. Never will God do this. In fact, God cannot do it. God cannot break his word. He will never violate or go back on his word. He will never lie. And he is always good. And, and, and that, is the, that is why his word and getting it into us is so important. God cannot punish you for anything or use sickness or illness or anything to, to discipline you because he already put that on Jesus. He died for your sins and your sicknesses. Jesus took care of these things. Jesus is the one who's given life. Exodus 15, 26 just puts an exclamation point on the principle that's, that we're talking about. It says, If you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in, you, in his eyes and give ear to his commands and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord your healer. Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord, your healer. That's where we get that word. So why do we get sick? Because we still sin. It's the same idea. We live in a sin-filled, sin-sick, fallen world. Take a look carefully with me because there's a ton of bad teaching in Christendom today, but something that explains really explodes the idea for us in, in a very practical way. My favorite text in all the scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Let's have that. Say these underlined words with me. For by, catch that, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The scripture says, by grace you've been saved through faith. Not by faith you've been saved. You have been saved by grace. You have been saved by grace. Your past, your present, and your future, sin... And you have been saved. This whole thing is about grace. God's grace is what saves us. By grace, not works and not faith. Faith is a human volition of my behavior, of something I can randomly put confidence in. Like I know that the faucet will come on when I turn the lever. I know the lights will come on if I flip the switch. It's just a human reaction to almost anything in this world. Grace is where it's at. Grace is where it's at. Grace is the important thing because the Bible says if it's by any other means, you would be able to boast. 
Now, in this life, a lot of people boast. We boast, maybe. Or, but none will boast in heaven. Nobody. Maybe some will boast now because they believe that it's by their works that they're saved or by their faith that they're saved, but it's neither. They are saved by grace through the human volition of why they're created through faith. It's actually by grace through faith that works. It's a little play on words, but anyway. Healing is not through works or faith. Another reason is because faith without works is dead. Which means that faith is something in your power or your ability to exercise. I say this because it is by my faith. It's not by my faith I'm saved. It's by God's grace. But if I say it's by my faith I'm saved, then who gets the credit? If I say it's by my faith or by my works, I'm saying I'm the one who's good enough to have achieved this great status. It's only by God's grace. Only by God's grace. I'm boasting in that my glorious ability to have faith, I've somehow saved myself, but that's not true. None of it is by faith. It's only by God's grace alone. Only by God's grace. If we had enough faith to move mountains, the ocean would be filled with them. Hear me on this. Romans 12 says each one of us had been gifted with a measure of faith in order to exercise the work of the ministry that we have. We know that we have just enough faith to get saved by the skin of our teeth. God has given us that much anyway. Now before we go running out of the door here, I want us to realize that Romans 12 is not written by someone who just didn't know. It was written by the Apostle Paul, the inspired word of God, who gave those words to us. It is an abuse of God's word to say that my faith can make God do anything. It's an abuse of God's word to say that my faith can make God do anything. Grace has already done everything. God has already purchased my salvation. Everything I get or receive, including salvation and healing, is alone by the grace of God. It, it's all because of God's great grace, not my faith or not my works. This is... These, there's two false extremes in the church today, and it's really sad. One says that God doesn't heal. And the reason they say that God doesn't heal is because they believe that it's by their strength or their works that, it, that they do this. If they eat well enough or behave well enough, then it's based upon their own ability. And then, because they believe that, that you know, the works of miracles that Jesus did were only just to kind of jumpstart the church so that, you know, they'd have a running start at this thing but are not valid for today. Taking care of my body is good and all those things. Any good fundamentalist believes on this. This is, this is kind of what's in the culture. And many mainline denominations believe this. So was, years ago, a woman came to the church and she came in and her husband brought her. She had cancer. It was a very sad situation. And she came to our church because her church didn't believe in praying for people to be healed. And so I, I, it was unfathomable to me. I really couldn't believe it. But nonetheless, she came and her husband, and they, they wanted to give us this big offering just for praying for her, right? I said, well, we don't want that. You know, we just want to pray for you. So we, we prayed for her, and, and we were just genuine and earnest with trusting God for his touch and his way, his design, his healing, his power as every believer should. And we leave it in God's hands. That's what faith is. Faith is giving it to God and trusting him with the results. 
And so we, we, just, we just did that and we exercised that. I have no idea the result. They went back to their church and all that, but I, I kind of find it sad. But there's a lot of people out there that believe that the miracles and healing and things that Jesus did just stopped. Well, we don't believe that here. We don't believe that here. That's just, that's not the truth. Um, it's only by God's grace that gets us saved, and it's only by his grace that we're healed. It seems impossible to separate the promise of Psalm 103 that says he forgives all of our sins and heals all our diseases and then say this was just for then, it's not for now. I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, that's, that's the Greek word horse malarkey. It just, it don't work. We, we can't believe that. We, it's insanity to believe that Jesus healed all through the Bible and that he doesn't heal now. So does he not forgive our sin as well? I mean, what is the limit of Jesus' power? If he's not going to heal us, then how could he possibly forgive sin? In fact, Jesus makes this equation when, when, the guy, when he heals the guy and the, the, he's given a fuss, you did this on the Sabbath, which is easier to say, um, you know, because he said he, forgived it, he forgave his sins, which is easier to say, get up, take your mat and walk, or your sins are forgiven. It's a crazy comparison, right? One of my very best friends has two sons, and... When they were teenagers, they prayed for their aunt for healing. And this is, this is the thinking that gets into people. And it's so sad. The thinking is that they believe that Jesus would heal. And they believe that it was an exercise of their faith that would see it through. Healing is by God's grace. And because God didn't heal her the way that they thought he, they should, all of a sudden... They're running from God and they're atheists now because their doctrine was wrong. I have seen many times people have an expectation because they think their faith is being exercised on such a great level that God should do this. And when he doesn't, they go, oh, well, I didn't have enough faith. It's a cruel hoax, friends. And I have seen this grow in the church and in the church world in Christendom. And I have known many in the church over the years that struggle with this question and it's a matter of faith or not having enough faith and it's just that easy, right? And I mean nearly every charismatic TV book guru, YouTube preacher, their entire Bible schools built and predicated on this wrong idea that you just have to have enough faith. I, I mean, there are many illustrations in Scripture where God healed people with no faith. So how do I receive healing? The same way we receive salvation, by grace. On the cross, Jesus bore my sickness. He bore my sin. And I live in a sin-filled world. Healing is by God's grace alone. Healing is by God's grace alone. Not by faith or works, but by his grace. Experience teaches me that as well. I want to share this with you. It was in 2013 that I had my heart attack. And I went in the hospital, and I'm laying there. My chest is burning on fire. They did all these tests. I passed five EKGs. I passed the blood work. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And um, heart episode. I had a block in my LAD vein, and I was going to die. They got, the heart surgeon was there. He came down, looked at me, took me, had ultrasound. And while I'm laying there, I tell Mr. Ellis, you have like a 96% block or whatever. If I don't do this, you're going to go home and die. 
And before that, I had been laying down there, and we were just praying, God, if it's time, I guess I'm ready. I just don't understand what's going on. And so he said, did that, and they did the surgery. They, I have a stent. My family prayed for my healing. I believe that God heals. Twice I've been hospitalized for stomach issues. One time, in fact, I was preaching up here during the second service, and I passed out and fainted and threw up all over the platform. It was on video. It's glorious. Many of you were here, you remember. And I went to the hospital. I was in the hospital four days, severe stomach ulcers. Um, at the top of the esophageal tube, down at the stomach, and at the bottom, and the, you know, no more details there. And while I'm in the hospital, um, some of you came in, you prayed for me, and we trusted God for healing. I felt a ton better the next day. They did another endoscopy. They said, this looks like a different stomach. We, we don't see scarring. We don't see any soreness, redness. We don't understand. I went home and had pizza. I mean, it was great. It was only three weeks ago I was in the hospital with COVID. I, I was laying at home. I, I went to the, wasn't feeling good Saturday night. And Josh, Pastor Josh preached. And I didn't come to church. And Monday I went to the doctor. They did the test. Wednesday I got the results. And I got a call from the Pierce County Health Department on Wednesday. Uh, Mr. Ellis, you have COVID. Here's some things you need to be aware of. Blah, 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 blah. They called Pam, interviewed her. Uh, I got it from a restaurant. I didn't get it from church. More likely to get it from a supermarket than being in church. Come on now. More likely to get it at, at Mazatlan or McDonald's and getting it at church. Everybody online hear that? Be in church. Don't wait for the rerun. It's not as good. Be here. But what was happening? We were praying, God, bring your healing, bring your touch, and, and, and have your way. God, do, do. Lord, you are, we, we believe, we trust you, God. We, we pray, Lord, heal. Let your, let, let your healing touch be on me. And, and it, it, so do I not have enough faith that I wasn't healed at least the way that I thought that I was? I, I mean, I believe in Jesus. Let me tell you about me and Jesus. I speak to him every day. I couldn't imagine being without any morning, without worshiping him or being in his word or listening to his voice. I love the idea of doctrine. I love studying his word and reading books about his word. I love being around God's people and worshiping together. I love being in prayer meetings and Bible studies. I love Jesus. I, would rather, I, would, I wouldn't rather do anything else than be with Jesus any other day. I love Jesus, and I believe that he can heal. So why did I not get healed then I have enough faith baloney did I not have enough good works another Greek word malarkey not really but it's you know I think we get it right I mean I'm a believer I believe that God created everything, put every tiny molecule together and, and created everything that is, there was, and is, designed my body down to the very big, the, the most minute detail. God put it all together. He's the designer. He is the good God. He is the creator. He is the master of the universe. He is, he is the God of all gods. I believe that. It's not through faith. Healing is by God's grace alone. You say, Pastor, well, don't you have to exercise faith? Hmm. Faith is something that I can do. 
Healing is only something God can do. It's by his grace. I trust God. I believe in him. I believe in his word. That's my confidence. But his grace. Now I want to talk finally about this last point. Jesus is the great physician. One that's skilled in the art of healing. The Bible calls him the great physician. He's the healer. Jesus is the creator of your physical body. He knows how you are made. You are made body, soul, and spirit. And wouldn't you say that Jesus is concerned about your soul? We would say he's concerned about your spirit. We should also say because he's healer, he's concerned about our bodies. Mark 1.40, a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Look at how Jesus responded. Moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. There's a wrong teaching that says Jesus only healed people so they would believe he was the Messiah. No. He healed people because he loved people. He loved people. And, and there's so much wrong teaching about healing out there that, that people are run away from Christ. There was one evangelist, I was watching some this week to try to get a handle on some of the ideas out there. Their entire ministry, ministries are predicated on this. You've got to have faith. It's the word of faith. You remember that crowd that used to be a long time ago, you know, a little Copenhagen between the cheek and gum goes a long way. Anyway, they, it was the word of faith. It was about what I can do to initiate God. In other words, I can tell God what to do. In fact, one guy I was listening to said, we were in my airplane, this, his own airplane, and he was flying and he saw a storm ahead and he said, I rebuke the storm in Jesus' name. Get out of my way, right? And he was commanding the storm to go. By faith, he says, I believed that that was going to happen. And he goes on to tell the story, how the, the, the clouds cleared up. And did you know that happened? I was listening to another one where a guy was talking about that he was driving down a road and came over a hill and there was a bunch of cows and literally said, a hyperspace window opened up in front of me and we went through the cows and came out on the other side. There were some other stories being told. And, you know, friends, if they say that it happened and there are believers that, you know, that, that God saved them or delivered them. I don't doubt God's deliverance, amen? I, I don't doubt that God can do anything. I believe that he can, but it's not by their great faith. They have no more faith than I do. Come on now. This is tough because in charismatic circles, we've been taught this a lot of our life. Healing and miracles and deliverances by God's grace alone. It's by God's grace alone. Now, faith is not denying the facts like some of them teach. They do teach that. Faith is proclaiming the truth. Um, J. Vernon McGee years ago told about a man whose son had um, diabetes severely. And the radio, you can listen to it on YouTube. And he said this man was denying the facts because he believed that just God was going to heal him. We believe that God heals. 
But he quit giving his son the insulin, and his son died. And he was out there because he believed that God was going to heal his son at the gravesite, praying to raise him from the dead. The extremes of the teaching can go so far away from grace that people begin to walk in this world wondering why God didn't do this or that because they didn't have enough faith. That's not the truth. Jesus came to heal. Next week we'll be talking about the man at the pool. and the, The Bible says that he didn't even ask for Jesus to heal him. Jesus did, he just healed him. The woman bent over. He called to her, and she was healed. Right? The man with the withered hand, Jesus just called to him, and he was healed. The blind man, Jesus called him over, and he healed them. They didn't ask to be healed. Many people did. Everywhere Jesus went, John's gospel said, people went. he healed everyone all the time. There's not enough paper in the world to write the books, John says, about all the stories that, and everything that Jesus did. But what happened? These people didn't ask. He healed them. Healing is by God's grace alone. Jesus came to heal. This guy says, Lord, if you're willing. Now, this is something else that Christians do. and None of us questions God's ability to heal. But we often say, God, if this is your will. Don't we say that? Lord, if it be your will. Well, if sin was paid for, and you can ask for forgiveness of sins through the atonement blood of Christ, you can ask for God's healing. This means we should pray and seek God and, say, and give him our petitions and our needs. He knows what we need before we even ask. So if he can pay for this, tough crowd. Tough crowd. We often say, God, if it's your will, heal my loved one or heal this person. And this is the question this guy is asking, if, Jesus, if this is your will. And in verse 41, Jesus says, I am willing. In other words, it is my will. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to Repentance. If it is that he is willing to bring forgiveness, wouldn't it be that he is willing to heal? Oh my goodness. Let me tell you what that means in the Greek. The Bible says Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, the, the, the meaning of the phraseology there means that Jesus hugged him. Hugging a leper? Hugging a leper is not something you do. The, the rule was that, you know, touching the unclean made you unclean. And, and that, that was, you know, what it was. And I mean, everyone knew that the unclean would make the clean unclean. If you were clean and untouched and unclean, you were made unclean. But let me tell you, friends, about Jesus. The clean makes the unclean clean. Praise God. The clean makes the unclean clean. The clean in Jesus is stronger than the unclean in you. The clean in Jesus is stronger than the sickness in you. The goodness of sacrifice of Christ on the cross is, is better than or bigger than the disease in you. 
The clean in Jesus is, is stronger than our uncleanness. And the physician, the one with compassion, comes to heal. The Bible says that Jesus embraced him. He hugged him. Here's the point of the leper's question that should take every believer when we question, God, if this is your will. We are saying that the great compassionate physician, the same thing that this leper said to him, we use different words. We say things like this. God, are you still willing to heal me even though I lost my temper? God, are you still willing to heal me if I didn't do my devotions this morning? God, are you still willing to heal me because I have lived unworthy? God, are you still willing to heal me even though I, I have messed up and I got drunk the other night? This is what the leper was saying to Jesus. I am unclean. I am unclean. But if you are willing. And friends, Jesus looks at you the same way. He says, I am willing. I am willing. God's healing has nothing to do with your badness or your goodness. God will always act in his best interest in your life, in my life, whether we behave correctly or not. It's by his grace. So let me ask you a question. Do you feel more deserving than this leper? No. None of us would say that, right? I am no deserving, more deserving than this leper for God to heal me. None of us would say that. We feel less deserving. And let me remind you that grace is for the undeserving, not the deserving. I came to heal those who were sick, not those who were well. The last question, it's a tough one. What if I'm not healed? What if I say, Jesus, I ask for your touch and my he healing in my life? I ask, and we need to boldly say these things. When you pray for somebody, don't just sheepishly, oh God, please, we, you, know, we, we, you know, if it's your will. Don't be timid. Jesus, we pray for your healing. We pray for your touch by your power in the name of Jesus by the power of your blood that was shed on the cross by your grace. But what if I'm not healed? I have, of course, my father's example, but we prayed for his healing in his body. He died. God didn't heal him the way that I thought. God gave him an eternal healing. His healing is forever. But I want us to pay careful attention to one of 29 specific scriptures that talk about what happens when we're not healed. Just one. This will do it. Philippians 1.20. Look at what Paul's response is. Whether by life or by death... So what do I do? Trust God. Christ will be magnified in your body.
I will trust God. He says that whether in life or death, I will trust God. I will give him. I will believe in him. I will continue following and serving him. It is by God's grace alone that we are healed. And next week when we go into the man at the pool, I want to preface it by saying he's kind of a pathetic fellow. And as we look at that, I believe that not only today, when we pray, some of us here are going to be healed, but the next couple weeks as we look deeper into the scripture beyond John chapter 4. So stand with me, would you? Thank you for being here for this. I realize that this was more of a doctrinal uh, presentation this morning and, and not so much a preaching one. But uh, the worship team's coming, and we're just going to spend some time in prayer. We didn't pray earlier, and, and um, I know I preached longer than usual, a good 5, 10, 15 minutes longer. Let's pray first in response to God's word. And Pastor Pete's going to lead us in prayer for the, the needs and things that you may have. We're going to pray for that. And then we're going to worship the Lord with one more chorus. But Jesus, we come to you today. We thank you, God, for your grace and your goodness and your power. I thank you, Jesus, that there is nothing in this world that compares with your healing and forgiveness of sin. Lord, and in this place today, I pray that we would get our mind around the fact that it's only by your grace. So, Lord, we want to receive. We can only receive healing by your grace. And so we rely entirely upon your goodness and your strength and your power. We know, Lord, because your word teaches us. We have, we have been, it has been confirmed in our spirit as believers that you are healer. So, Lord, have your way in us today. Fill us with your great wisdom. Friend, this morning I want to ask you in response to God's word, if you've been relying on your goodness or your faith to bring about somehow God to be able to move in your behalf, this morning, I want to pray for you that you'd receive healing by just the power of God's grace. Just simply that. And that every barrier maybe that maybe you've put up to your healing, maybe you've had a chronic pain. I don't know all of you. I don't know all of the situations. I know that there have been times where God has miraculously healed me. We've seen God in this prayer time, in this service, give us a healing in our lung, in a lung, restore a lung in this church amid other things. But right now is the time of prayer. And if you want to receive God's healing by his grace, keeping in mind that, you know, we want to keep our distances and all that stuff, uh, just right where you're standing, you're welcome to come up front. Somebody's up here praying already. That's perfectly fine. At the end of the service today is dedicated to prayer. If you want to receive God's healing by grace. I don't want you to try. I don't want you to say, boy, I failed here. I messed up there. I don't have enough faith here. I wasn't living good enough there. I, I want you to throw all that away. Just get it out of your brain. And say, God, it's by your grace alone. Jesus, it's what you've done on the cross. <laughs>